We are changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. Our feelings are just feedback, and that feedback is constantly giving us valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. It is that simple, and it is that complicated. When you continuously follow your passion and do what brings you joy, adding more pleasure and fun to your life, you can't go wrong. You can't fail. I pinky swear that to be true. Welcome to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. I love this conversation. Welcome back to How to Be a Human, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. And today I am just, I am so delighted to be joined by Kara and Caleb Campbell from Nashville, Tennessee, recently relocated from LA. Welcome you guys. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. We're Thank so pumped you. to be here. And true, we just got to Nashville three days ago. It's <laughs> amazing. New homeland. New, uh, you know, this is the new normal, right? It's just like we adapt and flow and then we do it all yeah. over again. We have to, really. It's been such an incredible move, though, too, mm -hmm. just simply because I didn't. It's almost like you don't know how much chaos or how much like um, stress you're living in until yes. you experience peace. Until you leave it. Right. So, yeah. And then you get into like this ecosystem of peace and like stress free. And you're like, oh, my God, like I love Los Angeles yeah. and I still love Los Angeles. But it was evident now looking back that the grace has lifted wow. when we were there in that in that in Los Angeles. And now knowing that Nashville's home and where we were supposed to be. Wow. It's night and day experience. So yeah. I'm really we are going to talk about conscious relationships for sure. But just so we can get a chance to like really get to know you. I love this part of the conversation and I got to be really honest with you. I've been playing with this idea of like multiple timelines, how we can exist in several places at once and we just don't know it, right? Yeah. And there's a part of me that's really toying with this fantasy that in, <laughs> in an alternate timeline, I am currently a TV writer in LA. <laughs> I'm like, no, that checks out for me. I love LA. When I, I went there, I, well, I was in Venice and Malibu uh, a few, and I drove the coast. Like I went to yeah. the convertible, drove the coast, like all the way up to Seattle. It was so badass. You did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I like, re I really did it. Um, but what's interesting to me, like when I got to California, I was like, nobody leaves California. Why would you ever leave California? This is the perfect place. Mm -hmm. So now that you've left, I'm so intrigued to know why like what, yeah. what was the chaos versus what is the peace now in Nashville? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I think I love this idea of multiple timelines. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking about all the other egos that are yeah, elsewhere totally. in the world. <laughs> um, my, my other expressions. But I think for us, we, you know, I lived in LA for nine years mm -hmm. and LA is a magical city. It's a city of dreamers, it's a city where mm. anything is possible. Yes. It's a city where you go and you could literally have an idea for like a, you know, a plastic bag company and yes. people would be like, that's amazing. Yeah. Maybe not plastic in Los Angeles. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> but literally just there's a, there's a communal support because everyone is there chasing a dream. Mm. Gotcha. The, the beauty of that is that you can do anything you want. You can pursue anything you want. You can build anything you want and you're going to have you're going to have this energy that you're surrounded by to do that. Mm -hmm. It's electrifying. It's electrifying. Wow. The dark side of that, the the underbelly of it is that it always keeps you chasing. Yes. And it, never, it never allows you to just settle in. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like, I think we both felt like, I'll let Caleb speak for himself, but I feel like I felt like I was 
always just looking for the next big thing to happen. Gotcha. And it does. Like there's always the the TV pilot that you're going to film and the experience that you're going to have and the party that you're going to go to. So I think there's a dark side to it. Not dark, underbelly side. Underbelly yeah. side. But I think the, I, I say dark not in a bad way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm not referencing it's dark as a bad It's the other side thing. of the coin, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think too... Um, once COVID hit, truthfully, the city changed quite a bit for mm-hmm. us and all of our work ended and, yeah. you know, our experience of socializing and the way that we are socializing ended. And so I think we lost a lot of community and we lost a lot of um, feeling connected to people. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of the move for us was yeah. where do we go to find this sense of community connection and groundedness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to add to that, it's, like Kara said, always something else, mm-hmm. the next big thing. And if we were in a different season of life, maybe mm-hmm. five to seven years ago, mm-hmm. like that would have been awesome. And like, that's where we were in life. But yeah. now I think for where we are at in life, the community dynamic is so imperative for us yes. in our own emotional well-being. And also I think the work that we want to do in this world is community driven. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reality that so many of our friends live in Nashville. Yeah. And I'm as introverted as they come. And I woke up one morning and I was just like, oh, my God, I am so incredibly lonely. This is not healthy. Like, I need help right now. And I honestly was cool is for both of us for the last probably eight months, we haven't slept through the night in Los Angeles. We like literally have not slept through the night. We've been having aches and pains and all these symptoms. And I this is that doesn't happen to me. Um, And then we moved to Nashville in a new home in a new neighborhood. I have not had better sleep in my life. Wow. It was just yeah. like, I'm telling you the peace. Both of us. It was just like, yeah. oh, this is where we're, so this is what it feels like to yeah. be at home. Wow. <laughs> I think too, part of that, like part of, part of what w- was a challenge with the move is we, it, we really wrestled with it. Like mm-hmm. we, we left LA still in Great. love with LA. Like yeah. it wasn't, you know, sometimes you leave a place and, and you're like, I don't Get like me this place here. Yeah. Go on to the new one. But we left LA really in love with LA. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the wrestling caused, you know, some of that insomnia, some of that, like, just constant, like, are we making the right decision? And then to land on the ground and be here and really in our bodies feel like, yep, this is it. This Mm -hmm. is, we, we did the right thing. That's awesome. This is, this is like, this is why I wanted to have you guys on the show. Cause you were so by your very selves, like your, your nature as each independent person, you are so conscious and you are so intentional. And that's what's so like, why I'm personally so drawn to you because I really want to talk about your own conscious relationship. And I am so adamant and so passionate that like killer relationships are basically a Venn diagram, right? It's two Mm. independent people living this overlapped or interdependent life, but they have to be individuals first. And if not a hundred percent individuals, like 95% individuals, right? Like I know we're always growing and changing, but this is what I love specifically about you. And I'm going to be so vulnerable with you. This is either going to make you laugh or it's going to make you just like run out of the room. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for laughter. So to frame this in context, it, it cracks me up because like I incidentally, I left the city of Toronto um, mm-hmm. in Canada. Oh, my God. Like a decade ago. Specific, specifically why you left LA. Like it was too loud. Toronto also has a pulse of like what next, what next, what next. Like you could be at the coolest 
like newest French bakery. And while you're yeah. in line, somebody will be like, oh, but have you been to like the better, newer, cooler French bakery? Yeah. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, like I got to get out of here. And so I moved to a small town. So I like totally relate to that. But um, so what I was going to say is that because I live in this small town, virtually everybody I meet is from Instagram. So like mm. all of my guests are from Instagram, if not close personal friends. And this story of how we got connected is no different because I remember <laughs> saying to a friend of mine in Wisconsin a few years ago, I was like, you know what? I just really want to marry a West Point grad who's <laughs> played in the NFL. Like this can't be too much to ask for. And fucking oh that God. week, that fucking week, the algorithm blessed me with Caleb Campbell. And I was like, Catherine, you are not going to believe what just happened to me. <laughs> that is so, amazing. That is actually hilarious. <laughs> Oh, good. So you're not like totally freaked out by this. No, that oh is so Oh my gosh, funny. Elise, that's so funny because I, <laughs> you you will laugh at this, I didn't know what West Point was oh and I said God. I would never paid an athlete. <laughs> so I was like, I've got my strategy wrong here is what you're saying. That is so funny. <laughs> so funny. So, and here's why I think this is so beautiful because I was reflecting before we did this, before we were going to do this podcast and I was like, I believe so strongly in the concept of expanders, right? So we like, we have this notion of what we want and we either align with that subconsciously or we don't. And I personally do. And so, and then it's like, I'm gifted with conscious proof that what I want exists. And so yeah. as soon as Caleb came up, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, here's, <laughs> here's a guy who went to West Point, who played in the NFL, who definitely is American, but has lived in Canada. I was like, yeah. this is wild and so just voyeuristically if that sounds creepy sorry no. not sorry but like voyeuristically it's been such a beautiful experience from where I stand to watch like your story unfold Caleb and then Kara have you like come into this picture and be like oh my god they found this amazing this amazing love yeah. yeah. You know what's interesting too? It's just funny as I literally live 90 minutes down the road from you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I live right down the road from you. Oh my God. That's the town of Fort Erie, Ontario. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah this journey is just like, you know, this life it really is magical yeah. once you are able, really, I guess, to do the work of settling in, releasing the expectations of how you think it should unfold. And make yeah. no mistake, yeah. it's a daily practice and I'm still doing it. I feel like, and I told the care of this the other day, I feel like if there's one thing that I'm constantly grieving is I'm grieving the expectations about how I thought life would unfold. Yeah. Um, and learning how just to be, you know, and ha having the courage to be, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's just amazing how you can really honor your path, honor your heart space. When you learn how to connect and live with that soulful relationship to life, mm -hmm. how life unfolds and will bring you the most magical and unexpected gifts yeah. when you really learn how to open your heart and receive. And I feel like that's really what Kara, you know, I wasn't looking to find love. I wasn't looking to find my soulmate. I was mm -hmm. like, that wasn't on my radar. Wow. Um, all for it, but it was never on my radar because there was, I had a different journey and it's just cool because I thought that my journey would lead me to one thing, but maybe it will like this idea. I thought my, let me say like this. I thought my journey would lead me to my life looking a particular way and yeah. the relationship was not what I was looking for. 
But finding Kara, finding love, finding this relationship, it is everything that I've ever wanted and was looking for. It just came in a different package. Wow. It might not add the package that came in as much more beautiful than (laughs) (laughs) what I was looking for. Um, Yeah, I think it's just such a beautiful when you can honor your path and say yes to life and go on this journey and really learn how to let go of the expectations of how you think it's going to unfold. Like the universe is for you. I know. Like it wants you Mm -hmm. to succeed more than you want to succeed. It wants to bring into your presence everything and more that you've ever wanted. We just have to do the work of letting go of what we think that's going to look like or how we think that's going to unfold. That letting go, a hundred percent, that letting go, you know, when we talk about the dynamic between masculine energy and feminine energy and what drives each of us in our own like unique cocktail that we possess, right? Right. It's like that act of surrender is very, it's very feminine energetics and it's such an act. Like that's an active work to serve. Mm -hmm. Like what you're talking about, it almost makes me weepy because I know that you're right. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so hard. And like, I've seen it in in some aspects of my life, it's been easier than others. And it's just like, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like to truly wrap your head around that. It's so, it is, yeah, it is work. Yeah. It requires like the deepest level of trust. Yes. Like you have to feel so safe to surrender. Yes. And it's like self-compassion. Like yes. you, you're doing the best mm-hmm. you can. You're showing up. That has to be enough. Like show yourself yes. some love. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny too. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny too. Like the first night we met, um, Caleb and I were sitting on this back porch in Kentucky mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, have you ever prayed for your wife? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was like, no. He was like, are you kidding me? I've been praying for my husband my whole life. Since I was like five years old, I've been wanting my husband. And it's just funny. We both came from such different um, like pathways of desire. Mm -hmm. But I, I think in the same way, when I met Caleb, he was in a completely different package than what I expected or thought or thought I wanted. Yeah. And I was 34 when we met and I was the girl who at literally 21 was like, I'm getting married later in life, like 25. <laughs> I thought 25 was so late. And to get to 34 and th- finally meet this person, you know, between yeah. those years of um, like, again, unraveling expectations of unraveling expectations of being married at a certain age or having something at a certain time. And I feel like when we when we adopt this principle of or really sit under and rest under this truth that the universe is for us. Yes the timing of things is less, um, it's less like intense. Like you let things come at the right time. If we actually believe that, that God or universe is working for us. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I love that. When you zoom out, it's like, let's Mm -hmm. say we each live for a hundred years, let's say, and Mm -hmm. that's pretty generous, right? Like if we each live for a hundred years, then to zoom out, on the timeline of our own soul, which I believe we totally just, we just keep coming back. Like we're just so infinite that Mm -hmm. like, already on our soul's timeline, that's a not even a drop in the bucket. Right. It's like, it's yeah. so cute how tiny that drop is. Right. And if you look at, you know, the overall context of civilization and of, you know, mm-hmm. historical timelines, like a hundred years is nothing. So all yeah. of a sudden, for example, if you're 39 and a half and single, it's like, oh my God, when is this guy going to show up? And it's yeah. like, dude, chill out. Like five years versus two years versus 10 years in the big picture it's just yeah. so insignificant, right? And I love how clear, because I can feel it, how clear you both are that that is, that's not like a nice ideology or philosophy. That is truth. Like timing yeah. just Boy, matters. 
It's it's funny too. Like I, I think when I met Caleb, one of the things I realized is that he was there all along. Yeah. He was always there. He was in he was in uh in in my story. I just didn't know him yet. Yeah. And so sometimes even working with women who, you know, are like really longing to meet their soulmate, it it some of the work is just again creating that space for him to come in at the right time yes. and recognizing that he's already there. Yes. And I had this experience. I you know there's, there's no formula to love, there's no prescriptive way it happens. So I'm speaking from my story and my experience, but I had this experience where when I, when I met him, I just, I was like, oh, there you are. Like yeah. I've been missing you. Yeah. I, and again, we think about past lives or f- future lives or whatever it might be, but there was this, Caleb and I both, we were like, I think we believe in past lives after we met each other yeah. because there was this experience of like, oh, there you are. My soul already knows you. Did it feel like you were just catching up? Yeah. 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 It did. It was it was a strange like experience. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, are the deepest parts of my knowing and being like I have met you time and time again. Wow. But at the same time, I'm like, are you allergic to gluten? <laughs> I, I know nothing about you, but I know you. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a really good yeah, it was a strange, uh just a strange but not like experience uh-huh. altogether. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, I love this. So can you, would you be comfortable in like yeah. telling us each a little bit about your own stories and specifically like not only what you do for work and for, you know, passion, but also what did you think? Cause you each have, perhaps have mentioned that like you each thought that your life was going to be different or the package was going to look different. Are you yeah. comfortable speaking to what you thought it was going to be versus what Absolutely. it is? And then we can talk about the overlap in between. This is like my favorite day. By the way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Totally. Um, you want me to go? Yeah. Please. So I'll, I, I reference this, but I, I grew up in a really conservative Christian home mm-hmm. and I went to a conservative Christian college where uh, I would say like 90% of my classmates got married when they graduated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not literally 90%. That's an exaggeration, but, but a lot of people, yeah. that was the goal. And so I left this college kind of feeling like, oh, did I, did I miss it? Did mm-hmm. I like miss the thing I was meant to do? And at the same time, I've always been quite independent and like a free spirit. So I, um, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 20, 28, probably. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that so much of my story is, was wrestling with my singleness. When Caleb and I met, I was writing a book about being single (laughs) and it's called single and hungry. And now the whole premise of the book has changed because now the thesis is different (laughs) because I have, you know, the culmination of, of meeting my person, but Yeah, I think that so much of my wrestling was this idea of I had an inner narrative going on that I don't get what I want. And Mm -hmm. I'm a middle child. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. when everybody wanted fruit snacks in in their lunchboxes and I wanted gushers, the majority (laughs) won. So I had this running narrative of I don't get what I want. Mm -hmm. And that really, really played into finding love. And I, I think that what I gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think what I would have said I wanted five years ago, but I always dated like, like skinny, emotional, <laughs> yeah. like musician types. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was really drawn to like, you know, like just these emo yeah. dark goals. And it, we can do all the analyzation on that. I was probably <laughs> mirroring back something in myself, you know, 
But I think that the biggest turning point for me in my story was I was, uh, gosh, I, two months before we met, I had done all this wrestling. I had done it. I had gone to England mm-hmm. for six months in 2018. And I, I say I blew up my life a little bit, mm-hmm. but really I just left LA and got still for six months and all of my inner shit that I hadn't dealt with came up. Yeah. Um, and so that, that caused, not caused it, it gave me the opportunity to go into a lot of healing. And then, yeah. Uh, probably two months before Caleb and I met, I was on a retreat and this woman was speaking and she asked this question. She was like, if God or universe doesn't give you the thing that you want more than anything Mm -hmm. in the world, are you still going to believe that he, she was referencing God, but universe is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, fuck no. (laughs) I'm not going to believe the universe is good or for me because that is the one thing I want. And I went back to my hotel room and I had this like spiritual experience on my floor where I just kind of surrendered it. Truthfully, I was like, okay, if, if I look at my life, my life in this moment at 34 and single is so good. I'm surrounded by incredible human beings that love me. I'm in like 40 marriages with intimate friends, you know, like I'm in in committed communal relationship with people and I'm so loved. My life is good. So if, if that's Mm -hmm. the case right now, Fast forward 40 years, if I never find this one person to love, does that mean that God or universe isn't good? Absolutely no. So it was, again, a wrestling and surrender moment for me. And I think, too, another piece of the story that that plays into this is I'm I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram. No, I never really connected with Enneagram. It's it's fine. it's a tool that yeah. some people love, but, yeah. but one of the things about my number is that we're really, and this is probably true for all people, but I'm really bad at being present in my mm-hmm. own life. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at frolicking around the world frolicking <laughs> and, and avoiding pain. I'm and, great and, at avoiding yeah, pain. Sure. Yeah, that's the big sure. thing of the seven, avoiding pain. So, um, really good at avoiding pain. And so for me to just be still and sit with the reality of my life and to choose my life and to choose to love the very experience that I'm in is a challenge. Yeah. And I had this wrestling moment probably in July. And then in August, um, when Caleb and I met, uh, the night before we met, I was sitting actually in Nashville on a back porch with a girlfriend drinking red wine. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I said, I feel so present in my own life. I feel so connected to my life and I didn't need anything else. And for so long, I think I had needed to meet mm-hmm. a person to satisfy this like emptiness inside mm-hmm. of me or to satisfy this longing. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was like, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't understand the energetics of this. I'm sure there's something around it. But I think sometimes when we want something so badly, mm-hmm. we have to let go of the need mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. to allow it to mm-hmm. come in. Because I think universe loves desire, but I don't know that universe loves neediness demand. Yeah. Because, because he, he or however we reference universe doesn't want to fill some kind of well, need is in and of itself scarcity, right? It's yeah. lack. It's yeah. lack. It's lack. Well, so it's reinforcing the lack. And I also think, first of all, you're so bloody honest. Like I just, I am like hugging you right now. I just, I love this. And thank you for being that honest. I, I What came up for me when you were talking is like, first of all, I, I 100% relate to literally everything you're saying, minus the religious mm-hmm. background. I didn't have that. I grew up in an atheist household, which mm-hmm. is its own set of confines when you realize yeah. that we're all just right. spiritual beings, right? It's okay. like, it's breaking free of a totally different um, ideology to like, there are less rules, I guess, but 
anyway, so I, I'm really picking up what you're putting down. And what um, what really resonated was, you know, at this retreat, hearing that, like, okay, if this is what you want so badly, if you don't get it, do you still love God? And I would say God, universe, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's it's all the same. It's just nomenclature, yeah. really. But, like, will you still love God? To me, that's, like... This whole thing, like this whole enchilada, it's all about the experience of an, of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that moment, I don't really believe in tests, but it's almost like that yeah. litmus test of like, okay, so what's your unconditional love like? Are you there yet? Or are you still putting a condition on it? And that kind of punched me when you said that because it's like, ooh, metaphor within a metaphor within a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even realize I was I was holding God accountable to that. Yeah. You know? Right. And like I think like there's such a big healing part is like yeah. I oftentimes will tell people, I was like, you need to forgive God or you need to forgive the universe. And they're like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Like nobody that doesn't like click with people because you're like, why did God didn't do anything wrong? But no, but you're holding the universe, you're holding God to these expectations yeah. mm-hmm. of how you expected God to come through in your life and God didn't come through in that way and you're mad about it so like let it go yeah and it frees up a lot of space and i think it's important to and kara not to speak for you but like you have this moment of wrestling but something clicked in that moment but that there was hundreds if not thousands little moments of wrestling and surrendering leading up to that moment Binging on popcorn right. and wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And tears rest. and praying. So I know, I know. Tears. So much tears. I have this, I tell this story in, in the opening of my book, but there was a Friday night, probably when I was 32, and I was single, and all my married friends were out, on, you know, on dates or whatever. And I was in my, in my loft, literally drinking white wine out of the bottle and binging on popcorn. Mm-hmm. And this girl sent me one of this, uh, I had led a retreat for influencers. And one of the girls, she had written me on Instagram and said like, Oh my gosh, I had posted a cheese board. And mm-hmm. she was like, Oh my gosh, your life looks so glamorous. Mm-hmm. You're always eating amazing things and drinking good wine and mm-hmm. like traveling everywhere. And I'm alone, like with mascara mm-hmm. running down my face, mm-hmm. literally yeah. on, on a Trader Joe's bottle of wine <laughs> and feeling sick from like salty popcorn. Yeah. And I just had this moment of like, Yes. And yes. like, yes. And yes, my life is that that's and. true. Mm-hmm. But the experience I'm currently having is like loneliness and pain about being single. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that we can, we can be in these experiences where mm-hmm. universe for us and life is so good, Yeah. but also we can still have longing, you know, like oh. we can still have these moments of, Oh, but my heart, yes. like my heart just misses something. Mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with you early on and you kind of going through the Rolodex of the men you had dated. Mm-hmm. And which I, what I loved about it too is like you honored them for who they were mm-hmm. in your life at the time. But I remember like thinking like, wow, you really did choose men that could not choose you. 100%. Wow. And it was 100%. so, and obviously like, and I think that you can go into like the work you're doing. You chose men that didn't choose you because it was safe, right? Yes. Because you were still, I think, doing the work of learning how to choose, choose yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now like in this embodiment process of learning how to be reconnected with who you are and be connected mm-hmm. and present in your body, um, you were able to choose yourself, which created a space It mm-hmm. removed the neediness it removed the want to yes. remove the, I need something outside of myself to come be something for me that I mm-hmm. am supposed to be for myself. Mm-hmm. I love that. Absolutely. And the coach in me is like, oh yeah, like I want to explore that pattern, <laughs> you know, um, uh, because we do, right. We want to revisit the scene of a crime our yeah. brains do. It's like, can we now 
get the love we didn't get from our father, for example, or yeah. can we like yeah. heal that emotional unavailability by this person? It's like, no, we can't because that healing comes internally. We don't get that healing from somebody else. We get it deep yeah. down. Okay. So Kayla, before I ask you the same question, I just want to like interject with a few maybe a few months ago now, um, I did a, an additional podcast. I had like, I wrote a book called To Call Myself Beloved, A Story of Hope, Healing, and Coming Home. And it really was about, it's like the story of overcoming, right? Like all the stuff that I overcame. And I realized I was getting so attached to my story of overcoming my trauma that I was like, I have to get the hell away from this. And I did like a massive rebrand, hence this new podcast, etc. But my final episode of that podcast was based on this moment of awareness where suddenly I was like, I was really trapped in that narrative of like, nobody ever chooses me. Oh my God, like nobody ever chooses me. And then I got that flash of like, honey, you chose you, period. And I had a self-commitment ceremony in the woods and I like bought myself this really thin, beautiful gold band wearing my ring finger. And it's, it's so symbolic that moment of like, no, I actually did. And I, you know, I had cancer, I went through divorce. So I, I was like, I've literally been with me through sickness and health, richer or for poorer, good times and bad. And that symbolism of choosing to commit to myself and actually like wearing a ring to kind of cement that relationship was so profound in my own energy that it was like, there's no, there's no lack here. Right. And that almost feels anticlimactic. And I think for a lot of single women who are, you know, quote unquote later in life, AKA like after 30, um, which is, I know a fallacy, but it's like a cultural Uh fallacy, but like to be in your thirties and be like, Oh shit. Now I'm okay with being single. So like, what does that mean for me? And now am I sending mixed messages? So I think that's like its own dynamic of exploration. I love that. I love that idea of self-commitment ceremony. That is really, really really profound. I honor you too for that because it takes a lot of courage to show up for yourself like that. Thank you. Lisa, I, um, I, when I was in uh, grad school, I had a journal Mm -hmm. and I like was an avid journaler. I wish I could pick it back up again, but one of my journals on the cover, I wrote the word beloved. Yes. I have it tattooed on me actually. (laughs) I love the word. Oh my gosh. I I was sitting in a Starbucks doing work and journaling and, probably I was, I think I was 28 or something. And this guy walked in and he looked at my journal and he goes, be loved. And I was like, cool. But it stuck with me, this idea that being loved, like beloved, be loved is an action, right? Like we actually have to choose to be loved, which is why it's the word beloved. But he was like, be loved. Wow. Okay. I've never, ever seen the word broken down into two words before. How funny is that? But isn't that kind of a cool way to see it? Like, oh, oh it's, I love it's an that. action. I yeah. love that. Okay. And one more quick story. Sorry, Kayla, because I like desperately Please, want to hear yours too. No. But this is, so, okay. So then after that podcast, my like relaunch of this current podcast was telling more of what happened that day in, in, during the commitment ceremony. And again, this notion of expander came up because as I was like in the woods with my friend who's a photographer, like doing the ceremony, she's taking pictures, like this beautiful bearded man who's building my dream house on the lake fucking walked out of the woods. Like he walked out of the woods and he just appeared and his name is Chris, which I've had like a total like divine dream about this guy's name being Chris. And I was so gobsmacked. We chatted for a little bit. He walked away and out of nowhere, like I couldn't make this stuff up if I, if I tried, unless of course I'm actually a showrunner in LA right now, but like honest to God, 
out of nowhere, I heard the chorus of don't worry, be happy. And then it went away. Like it was one line. And I was like, what magic is this anyway? So expander is just so good. I love it. That's so good. Wait, have you talked to Chris anymore? No, Chris is married, and I feel like he's actually yeah, building that house. Because I think it's what Chris represents. Chris is representing. Chris something. totally represents. It's like, yeah. honest to God, this bearded man walked out of the woods. We watched <laughs> him walk back into the woods, and where he lives in the woods is this fucking like modern cabin oh, overlooking the water, and it was just like what is happening? It was number 22, Let's, which is like a master number. And it was just like, it was so divine and it was such a joke and it was just so beautiful to have that experience all in one. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's anyway. So <laughs> okay. No, I love it. Caleb, what's your story? Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I, I always start with like, I, when I remember so vividly being six years old, playing a flag football game, mm-hmm and scoring a game-winning touchdown Mm -hmm. as a flag football six-year-old boy and in my sweaty hot face my mom grabs me and says son like I love you so much you scored the game-winning touchdown wow and it was just in that moment where it was just like wow if I score touchdowns I'm loved wow right and this performancism in me became my journey of if I can just perform metaphorically enough touchdowns in life then I'll find what I'm looking for wow and as I got older, just one performance after the next, right? Like I, I'm a, I was a, the highest of high achievers, mm-hmm. right? There was this, this need in me to do more, to achieve more, to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it led me to West Point mm-hmm. to become, you know, the second person in the history of the school to getting drafted, uh, playing wow. in the NFL, to bobsledding with the Olympic team, like doing all of these things. But wow. the problem was, is like, I remember sitting in the middle of my childhood dream inside the Kansas City Chiefs locker room. We were watching film as a team. And I had, you know, like in that moment, one of the most like best, the best practice of my NFL career and practice in the NFL is your currency. Like Mm -hmm. it's how you, it's how you survive in the league. And I just crushed it. And I remember sitting there and up to this point in the league, it was like, I hated watching film Mm -hmm. um, with the team because it was always like a watch Caleb screw up, right? Uh Like I was suffocating with fear in the league. And that's another story. But this moment I was like, hell yeah, I just kicked ass. Like, this is what I've been looking for. Like, I'm finally going to be like, you know, not breathing into a paper black bag and wow. hyperventilating because I did well. And it wasn't like I was starving for a compliment, but I was just proud of myself. Yeah. And we watched film. And I remember in this moment, the coach like stops the film and he looks around. He's like, where's the new guy at? Cause I had just signed a contract the two, the, the day before. Wow. And I was like, I'm here coach. Um, and he was, and he looked at me with like this stern look and he was just like, if you ever do this again, like you'll never see the, the field again on this team. Holy shit. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Everything in me was just like about to like walk out, but only this inner narrative is like, when is good enough finally enough? Yes. Right. Like, when is it enough? Because I've always been chasing this more like um, because deep down it was never enough. And through this series of like just honoring my heart, walking away from the league. And that's really when this journey started for me to coming back home to myself. Mm Uh, when I moved to Canada and became a janitor of a church and slept on the basement mm-hmm. floor for five years so mm-hmm. that I could get this intense somatic trauma informed therapy. Wow. Um, it began to realize that 
deep down it was never enough because I didn't believe I was enough. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when shame is the driving force behind your life. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be enough because shame says you're not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And I learned how to cope with my shame through performance. And so through this journey of uh, trying to be enough, but it never being enough created like this divine, what I call holy frustration, Mm -hmm. right? It's this holy frustration that you're trying to close this gap. Um, And I just honored my heart. And the funny thing is, is through all of these um, different seasons of life of like trying to find enough and trying to honor my heart and say yes and trying to figure out this this thing that I've been chasing. Mm-hmm. I would date girls at every at least this is so fun at every <laughs> transition. I would date a girl, and I'm not joking. For mm-hmm. The last three relationships before Kara, every single relationship lasted six months. I broke up on or around their birthdays. Oh my god. I know. I felt terrible. There was one point where I dated like one girl. She was a real estate agent. She had this particular set of sheets on her bed and I lost my favorite pair of sunglasses in that relationship. Broke up I on thought her. you meant in the bed. I was like, okay, we no, got to no, explore no. that a little more too. But. Remember, I had these Carrera sunglasses that I yeah, loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost them at some point in time in that relationship. I left that relationship at a massive transition. Wow. And then I started dating another girl and she lived in Florida and I went and visited her. And when the first time I visited her, I was like, oh my God, you're a real estate agent. You have the same exact sheets on your bed. Wow. And I just lost my new pair of Carrera sunglasses on the flight here. Wow. Something like wait, wake up, Caleb. And Repeating pattern. Six months later, <laughs> we broke up on her wow. birthday. And here's the deal, though. It was like I I also didn't know how to choose myself yes. as I was saying yes to this journey. And every time I'd come to this very big uh, transitional season of like point in my journey, I didn't know how to choose myself. And it was like this: the girl would choose me in that moment about six months in, yeah. because I was very anxious attached, and yeah. I'd always date avoidant uh, women. Yeah. So I finally would get them to choose me about six months into the relationship, and then it was like, oh, I'm worthy of being cho- chosen. I'll choose myself and say yes to my life, and yeah. so I'd break up and leave the relationship. Wow. I say all that because I land in. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. I land <laughs> in um, Los Angeles. Right. I'm sitting in, in New York and I'm like, what's going on in my life? Mm-hmm. I get a DM from a girl and she's like, hey, I have this big you know, company out here in Los Angeles. I love because at this point I'm, you know, just slowly starting to write about vulnerability and my yes. journey of healing and so on and so forth. And didn't think anything of it. But she was like, I have this massive greeting card company. Um and I would love, and we, and it's like 99% women, mm-hmm. but we are now getting more like requests. Like I need a card for my husband who just got laid off from his job. Mm-hmm. I need a card for my son who just got cut from the football team. Mm-hmm. Like we would love to partner with you and see if we can do something. So they flew me out to Los Angeles. And up until this point, I've never had the thought of ever moving to Los Angeles. Like yeah. I'm a Texas farm boy, like Los yeah. Angeles. Now. Are you, were you, are you from Texas? Yeah. Oh, this is so funny. Did you know that I also have like a wild fantasy of marrying a Texan? Like this is too, like this is too much. This is like too expansive. It's so good. Like no joke. The week before we met, I'm not kidding. My best friend calls me and jokingly, we like joke all the time. And she's like, where do you want your husband to be from? And I go, Texas. And she's like, why? I was like, Texas is awesome. And I want to marry a cowboy. Caleb's dad is a certified cowboy. That is is what he does. Caleb grew up being a yeah. cowboy this <laughs> like is so funny oh, we are manifesting man anyway manifesting. I, I get out to los angeles and you know it was still chasing this more like when is yeah. it enough like 
like at what point can I rest in life? Yeah. And that had always created that holy frustration where I learned how to surrender and let go um, and really look back at myself and really build the resilience around the shame narratives yeah. that were the driving force behind my life. Like shame is an incredible motivator yeah. in your life. That fear of being exposed will take you to great heights. The yeah. problem is that there's just no rest in it. And there's no like, end. Like again, no end. For, for, just to reiterate here, like West Point in itself is a massive accomplishment. NFL, oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's such, <laughs> it's right. It's pinnacle. Yeah. It's so elite. So and it's like mind blowing. And I understand the human experience. I understand how this is true. But like, you know, outside looking in, it's like, how? Like, how could that not be enough? Well, if nothing, you're not right. enough, if you're not enough on the inside, literally yeah. nothing will be it's, enough. And like, that's a pretty solid example yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because I just, I was going through all of our boxes as I was moving in and I have a tub that's like all football stuff. And I was up here in the office yesterday by myself and I started crying uh, looking at these articles mm. because it's just like, I'm just now getting to the point where I can honor who I was yeah. in what that season did. of life. Yeah. And for what I did do and accomplish like, wow, Caleb, like I'm finally able to like, just see it for what it is and wow. like say, Oh, that was good. It was mm. really good because for the longest time it was never enough. And then, right. When so it's that not gets enough, you, so easy to get mad at yourself yeah. and to hate yourself and mm -hmm. do better and all that stuff. And I just was, you know, in the seasons of like holy frustration in Los Angeles of like trying to surrender and let go. And I think, you know, you said it earlier, like you built an identity around like mm -hmm. your story, you know, mm -hmm. and I really did turn and I see this so much in our in our country, especially in, in the Western world mm -hmm. where like, you know, there is this hustle mentality. We turn our healing into a performance so that 100%. we can get the thing that we want. Yeah. Where I then it was in LA that I really began that healing is radical acceptance mm -hmm. of my life here and now. You know, it is saying if my life never looks the way that I thought it was going to look, is it okay? Yeah, yeah because I'm present and it's good. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I believe that I'm good and so on and so forth. And it was in Los Angeles where I was like just... Honestly, it was at this point, a series of events had happened where I had my first panic attack in almost like seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I had this Reiki encounter with this woman who gave me this talk and it was like, it was what I needed. Her words were so healing, which then she opened me up to going to a breathwork class that mm -hmm. night. She sent me to a breathwork class. It was my first breathwork experience. It was probably the, in that experience, I would say like, I've never met God. And I grew mm -hmm. up even in the church and I had never met God. Like I met God in that moment of breathwork. Wow. And after that, the next day or two days after that, I took a drive up the coast and I was just like, Oh my God, like the, the the wind like rushing through yeah. my car with my windows down was just hitting me differently and I remember yeah. pulling off the side of the one and I saw this like random stairs that went down into like this little secluded private beach and I walked out there on June 3rd of 2019 and I was sitting there and this like wave of peace rushed over me and I started weeping wow. and I was like oh my god and this has been the question that's been defined in my life. Like if my life never changes from this moment forward, is it good? Is it enough? And that's never been, it's never yeah. hit me right. It's never settled with me. There's always more. And I'm sitting there that day and I'm like, oh my God, it's enough. Uh, my life never changes from this moment forward. It's enough. It's okay. it was just this place of radical acceptance of the here and now and abiding in the present. And I really felt like this is what I've been looking for my entire life. And mm -hmm. it was this it was just like this, it was almost like my life is being held. Ugh. 
like like I could tangibly feel my life is being held. It was like at one point when I was playing football with the Chiefs, I went to a theme park with some friends Mm -hmm. and I hate roller coasters. (laughs) Now I love them, but at this point I hated roller coasters and I had made it through the entire day like getting out of rides and we walked (laughs) out. There was a group of us and we were walking out and we literally walked next to this like bungee jumping Oh my thing, god! Like, and you're like, let's do this, and I'm like, look at the time, guys. It's time to go. <laughs> I gotta go get a, like a waffle cake and then go whatever yeah. it's called. <laughs> I'm terrified. Oh. And so, long story short, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but long story short, I have to go up with this guy and my friend Zeke because he was an odd number out and mm-hmm. I couldn't get out. And so they're like, Caleb, you're going with Zeke. And oh my god! To the top, right? And you, I'm the one that's positioned next to the ripcord that drops us, Ooh. and we get to the top. And it's like this red light. And when the green light, you pull the cord. I have a full on meltdown up there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not pulling the cord. Yeah. I'm like about to cry. Zeke is yelling at me, pull the fucking cord. Oh and I'm like, I'm not pulling the cord. And I'm terrified. But if finally I close my eyes and I pull the cord. And that initial drop, I thought I was dying. Yeah. But then something happened where I had this magical experience of like what it tangibly felt like for something outside of my ability, my power, my strength to hold me. Wow. And it was this like moment where I was just like, what am I experiencing right now? And it was the first time that I would say that because when shame is a driving, you never live in the present because yeah. you never want to spend time in the present if yeah. deep down yeah. it's not enough. Like why would I ever be here now? Yeah. If it's it's not just enough? it's not safe enough, right? It's not mm-hmm. safe. You're not enough. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't live in the present. And that was probably the first time of me really embodying and experiencing what presence felt like. And I was wow. like, what is this? And then I say that because I never experienced it again until several years later when I'm sitting on this beach and I'm like, oh, my life is being held. Like oh. this is what I experienced. And then like I experienced that. And then two months later, I meet Kara. Mm-hmm. You guys are killing me. <laughs> oh my I God. Like as I'm listening to him tell the story, I've heard it so many times, but I, I feel like there's just this theme of like, and it sounds so cliche, but surrender and choosing yourself. Yes. Like there's surrendering. Thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But surrendering from a plate, like surrendering can't be a performance. performance. Exactly. exactly. And I have, I have clients I've worked with that say like, I have surrendered. I have surrendered. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, then you haven't because the fact that you're having to tell me that you have, like it's, it's constant and it's over and over. And it's this idea that like, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the choosing ourselves really, really mattered. There's one like you can surrender in attempt to get what you think you want. Like, of course, I'll surrender if it leads me to this life. Mm, Like a conditional surrender. Totally conditional. Exactly. A lot of like philosophers will talk about the idolatry of God. Where Mm -hmm. like, of course, I will serve God when my life unfolds a certain way. Yeah. Right. And it becomes this idolatry way of life. And it's the same thing with surrendering. Like mm. the point of surrendering is to give up any expectations of what's on the other side uh-huh. and learn how to accept what is. Yeah. And then learning how to accept what is, is you're actually opening your heart to receive what life does have for you. And mm-hmm. it's good. It's just not going to look like it's like looking at beloved your entire life. Yeah. But then somebody comes along. It's like the word's been in front of you your yeah. entire life. But here's a different <laughs> here's way, to, a way to look at it. And that's what we do with life. Mm-hmm. The life we want is right in front of us. But we just need a new perspective and paradigm of like yeah. how we approach it and that happens whenever on the other side of surrendering into what is and accepting what is yeah man so last year not last year a couple of years ago I, I'm going to condense this story but I was planning a relocation and you know 
my, I, I am in a divorced family, right? So like we have a blended family. He was already living with like a, an hour and a half down from here. And it was like every, all signs pointed to yes, all kinds of families there. I went to school there. It's like the best city in Canada. It's like, so it's not Montreal, but it's a close second. It's like, all right. It's happening. I put my house on the market. My house has been featured on HGTV. I got an apartment therapy thing. Like this was like a no brainer that this house yeah. was going to sell and that this it was all so aligned and it didn't sell and it didn't sell and it didn't sell and it didn't sell. And then my ex did something and the whole plan changed. And now like the feeling of trapped has been like a massive narrative in my own life. Like this Kafka notion that like, oh, everybody's laughing. Like I'm just a beetle on my back and I can never flip myself over. Right. Like that's like a really dark part of my old story. And so the house didn't sell. I had to stay in this little town, which I don't really love. Like it has like a lot of great things. And, and if I had a partner, I'm always like, if I had a partner, this town would be like the best place on earth. Right. Mm. But that moment of like, wow, I wanted that. It was so aligned. My values checked out and it didn't work. It shook me that yeah. that uh, it really shook me it shook my faith it shook all kinds of things because it was like oh my god there's no algorithm to this and right. I think you know if there's an outcome or if there is a lesson because I really think there is always a lesson and not to bypass the lesson but to really like get the lesson I think I kind of learned from that exactly what you're saying that like you have to believe that this works out Period. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think sometimes it's almost like manifesting. Um, it like, it becomes almost like a comfort blanket. Mm -hmm. It's like spirituality light. And it's such a great gateway, right? It's like the great, the gateway drug into faith and spirituality is like, oh, if you can think about it and want it hard enough, you'll get it. And it's like, mm -hmm. and, and your yeah. soul has a plan. And it's like, yeah. sometimes what you are manifesting is in total alignment with your soul's plan. Your soul's like, cool. You can have this car, whatever you've been dreaming of, right? And other times it's like, I'm so sorry, honey, but that's just not in the cards for you because something else is. And I feel like that, and I don't even know that I've 100% accepted it even still like a couple of years later, but it's like, that is surrender to really be, and which you're both describing, like to be so at peace with like, right, I'm not actually in control here and I'm choosing to be okay with that. Not afraid of that because I believe deeply enough that this is working out for me. And then incidentally, you know, that algorithm kicks, kicks back in and it's like, oh, but you actually kind of got exactly what you wanted. It just it to yeah. in a totally a people, different way. I feel like a lot of people, and this is my own experience, it's like surrendering to it. There's this very, the fear is, is like if I surrender I and let go, yeah. like, I won't get what I want or the worst will happen. Yes. Right. Like if I have to surrender being here, like I'm going to, like, I'm afraid that my life's never going to change. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so we have yeah. like this, let's push through, let's go, let's go, let's push through and let's make our life happen. But surrendering and then having that fear that your life is never going to change. It's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Surrendering means that you dealt with the fear yeah. of your life never changing. And ironically enough, it actually creates space for your life to change. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Oh, yeah. this is so fascinating. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me think about the body that I just always do think about the body, but mm -hmm. I feel like so in so much of my story, I tried to will my body into change. Yes. Like I tried okay. to will my body into being a certain size or a certain well. shape and it works really for well. Seasons, just yeah. Yeah, for seasons. But, but then you, then you become addicted to diets and yes. you become addicted to, to all, all kinds of dysfunctional things with the body. And yeah. I feel like for me, 
in, in my own story, I, I referenced, I, I went to England for those six months and all my shit surfaced. And so much of it was around the body. And what really happened for me in a, a very short way of explaining this is I realized that nothing, nothing was going to change until I fell in love with my body. Yeah. Like until I really chose to love her without expectations of her changing. Yeah. Um, and when I did that, ironically, my body did change. Like wow. my body did actually change, but it wasn't, I had no expectation of it changing to love it. Does that yeah. make sense? Like well, you would, now you're like free of conditions. Love, yeah. When we love something, we create the safety yeah. for it to change, yeah. but we don't love something with the intention of changing it. Like even being in relationship with Caleb, I'm like, I love him so much. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need him to change, mm -hmm. but I know that by loving him really well, mm -hmm. I, he inevitably mm -hmm. will change. Mm -hmm. He just will because in a ground that is covered in love, mm -hmm. like things grow and things shift and things change. So I think like, yeah. I love how you talk about like the willfulness side of things. Mm -hmm. Like we know how to will our lives into existence. Yes. Yeah. We're good at that. Yes. Like yeah. that's the way that the American dream is taught, yes, like yes, will yes, your yes. life into existence. But the whole journey of spirituality is to shift from willfulness to willingness. Yes. And what I mean by that, like willfulness is, I think is mm -hmm. fear driven mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. It's like, it's not enough. So let's do more, achieve more, be more. hundred percent. And there's this willful attempt to strive your life forward. But the problem with that is it's not sustainable because life is fucking hard. Yes. And we have down seasons and it's just we can't keep it up. The energy is not there sometimes yeah. and you just let go, right? Yeah. But then there is the other side of radical acceptance. And like now your heart is postured on this throne of willingness. Mm -hmm. And willingness is what I spoke to. I feel like from my experience earlier is like your life is being held. Mm -hmm. Willingness is a life driven of love because you're willing to open up your heart to receive what God or the universe mm -hmm. has in store for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's just the other side. Like this is the journey of spirituality. This mm -hmm. is the journey that we are saying yes to if you are saying yes to that. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's just a radical, a radical different way yeah. of doing life. Yeah. And this is why, you know, for me moving to bring a full circle, yeah. moving to Nashville and, and being in our community yeah. is so important because when you're doing life differently, like it's is fucking lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When I can't tell you how many times, like I felt so deeply misunderstood because yes. people just don't understand. It doesn't mean you're one way or they're, or you're better and they're better. What that's irrelevant, mm -hmm. but it's just lonely and finding community where you're around people that are like, yeah, we're on the same, like we're, yeah. we're, we're flowing, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just, it makes all the difference. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. the piece that we're really feeling here in, in Nashville. Yeah. I'm writing a second book this year. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say? Oh, I said, I just brought that full circle. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was very impressive. I'm going to take it off circle for a minute though. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm writing a second book this year and it also started out being about being single. Cause I was like, oh man, like this has to have meaning. I'm going to give it meaning. I'm going to write a book about it. Right. And then as I started writing it, I was like, oh my God, this is not about being single. This is about mm -hmm. being alone. And especially during COVID, like I think that concept of alone versus single versus loneliness versus yeah. by myself, like they're very independent concepts, right? And, you know, you're both talking about this. Caleb, you just said it that like I felt lonely. I was surrounded by success. I was surrounded by people and like, trust me, there is no kind of loneliness like the loneliness you feel 
when you're in the company of other people. And if you've ever been in like a relationship or a marriage in which you feel lonely, it's the fucking worst. And people are like, oh, I'm terrified to leave this marriage because I don't want to be by myself. Or I, I have to date this guy because and he's an asshole and I know it, but I'm like terrified to be by myself. And it's like, no, the terror. And I understand that. And the terror comes from being, oh, shit. I'm not alone and I'm profoundly lonely. And that to me is really fascinating because I think that's human. That that human experience of I'm having these feelings, I need them to be witnessed, but I actually don't feel safe enough to have them witnessed. So instead I internalize them and maybe I eat more or I fuck around a lot more or I achieve more, but I'll I'll do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. as long as I can repress that. And then shame comes on and it's like, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And the reality is that we're all having that experience. Like we're all having these feelings of isolation and loneliness and not enough. And I love these conversations because it's like, yep. Or like, is it clear yet? Like, are we getting the message yet? <laughs> that like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're on your own individual path of healing and that's going to look different, right? Those experiences yeah. are going to look different, but it's based on this emotional foundation that I would argue is almost identical to everybody else. Absolutely. It's it's wild you say that I was on the drive out here. We Caleb and I drove across the country, oh, obviously, and we um we drove separately. He drove the U-Haul behind me and then I drove <laughs> in my car. And I um I had started this movie on Amazon Prime called Herself, and it's oh, yeah. it's about a woman who's in an abusive relationship and she leaves to mm-hmm. build a home for her daughters. And um we were we were driving the next day and I had this moment of being in the car and being like I love being with me. (laughs) Like I love being just with me alone in this car. And it was so interesting for me because I think five years ago, three years ago, I hated being alone. Like I hated being left alone with my thoughts. And all of a sudden, as I was thinking through this, I, I was remembering this movie and in the in the movie, this girl, you know, as she's escaping this abusive marriage, she keeps having flashbacks mm-hmm. of this husband who's been really violent with her. And I had I was making this connect in my brain of like, oh, that's why I didn't like being alone yeah. because I was really mean to me oh. when I was alone with me. When I was alone with me, my inner voice was not kind and it was not gentle and that's it was so not good. loving oh, and it was man. not tender. I was mean to me when I was alone. So I would want to fill myself or fill my space with other people because they were nice to me. So I think it, again, who knows, like we all have our different stories and our different experiences, wow. but I think so often we don't want to be alone because we're scared of what happens yeah. when we're just with ourselves. yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a personal story and then I want to see where this lands with each of you. But, and again, this could make people run screaming from the room being like, wow, she's so arrogant. But I was like at home on the couch watching, I think watching succession or maybe the office, but I'm really into both of them. And I had this moment where I was like, I, that feeling of inner peace that you described to me, that feels like a warmth. Like that's where I feel it in my body. It just feels like this full body radiation of like, holy shit, I'm good. And, you know, again, as somebody who experienced a lot of trauma, who has worked really hard to create like a general level of safety. And in turn, my coaching practice has changed so dramatically because for me, it's like, we're not talking about X, Y, and Z. We're talking about safety. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. safety first. And then everything else falls into place. Right. But so I'm sitting here on the couch and I'm like, not only do I feel so safe, but I feel so good. And this feels so warm. And I was like, all I really want to do right now, like if I could add one thing to this, I would turn to somebody beside me and share this moment. And I was like, 
oh my God, Lise, the person you want to share this moment with is like the male version of you who has like a bad <laughs> sense of humor. And suddenly I was like, well, this is interesting. Like now I like my own company so much that I just want to duplicate myself into the male form. Do you guys feel like, because I mean, that we it's true, right? Like we're constantly mirroring off of one another. Yeah. And when I, like I have a massive crush on John Krasinski and like when I hear him in interviews, I'm like everything I love about that guy, it's just qualities I love about myself. And so it's oh, like, wow. do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're a mirrored reflection of one another? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I I would say yes and no. I would say yeah. yes and no, but more no. <laughs> okay. I would say like, you mirror back to me parts that I long to connect with in me. Okay. So like Kara's the queen of play. Uh, like she knows how to play she knows how like because her seven in her right it's just like let's frolic around the world let's play gotcha. um, and it's good and also it was you know how she avoided pain for so long too right. just like still and being mm -hmm. present was hard for her and so I didn't know how to play because life was just a mission to you're so disciplined right? no, no kidding space. There was no space for play. So I meet Kara and I'm like, <gasps> so Kara has, I guess, like, I guess like she's mirrored back to me a part that I long to connect gotcha. with in myself yeah. more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you, I feel like yes and no. There's mm -hmm. things that I think that Caleb is a mirror to me for, but then there's things where I feel like similarly, same to what you said. I'm mm -hmm. like, you make me aware of what's possible inside of gotcha. myself or like mirror back, like, yeah, that is me. Yeah. Oh, that is me. I forgot about that part, but that really is me. Yeah. That's uh, I love that. And when you met, you, you both, uh, like mentioned, you had that sense of like, Oh, you're right there. Like there you are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Did that people feel almost, oh, go ahead. No, people would say it to me all the time. I would get so annoyed. They'd be like, you're going to meet him when you're least expecting it. Or, it's the worst. It's like, so true, but it's the worst to hear. I was just going to know when you know. And I was like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm punch you in the face. And I was like, I'm the most analytical person ever. There's no way I'm just going to know. Yeah. But I, I did. I just, it was a very My feeling with knowing. that, my feeling when I met you was like, oh, this is what was waiting for me yeah. all along. Yeah. And so it was like, I can look back at my life. And now as I move forward, it's like, oh, like something like Kara is waiting for me yeah. all along. Like yeah. something as beautiful and as, you know, so much depth and yeah. magic energy, like life is wait. Like, yeah. so it just gave me more confidence to say yes to the journey. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, anybody that I've ever had a significant relationship with, it has been that like in French, they call it, it's so beautiful. It's um, a, a coup de foudre, which is like a lightning bolt. And Ooh. it's like, you feel it instantly. And any, again, any significant relationship I've had has been like, oh, oh my God, mm. that was easy. Like, it's just, it's like, there's no, there's no doubt. And that doesn't mean that's an easy yeah. road. And honestly, some of those relationships that I believe were divinely orchestrated were definitely divinely orchestrated to become like, the greatest teachers and you can you can read between those lines as you wish yep. but like they became great teachers in my life so for me when we talk about dating I'm like I'm sorry like I, I don't even relate to this like I can't imagine <laughs> just dating for the sake of dating I'm like when I know I, I you you're fucking right I know because I like get like a lightning bolt in the heart from God that's like yeah. oh he's right there and I'm like oh that was so easy and interestingly 
it's almost always met with like, it's not a disappointment, but it's almost that sense of like, oh my God, what was I even worried about? Like, it's so yeah. anticlimactic yeah. that it's just like, you know, the Buddhists say that if you feel that rush of butterflies right away, it's actually nervous energy. And that when you really meet like, a very significant person in your life, it, it feels like you're just coming home. It feels yeah, like, like you're catching up after who knows okay. how many years of being apart, right? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I feel like when I look back, I'm, I feel like all of my exes were were such like teachers yeah. to, to create the space for me to choose Caleb. Yeah. And then when he came, there was the sense of like, oh, there you are. And, and the choosing piece was so easy. Yeah. It was so natural. I would say like that was, besides the one question, at least you know Mark Groves, right? Yeah. So I had a conversation with him and I've written about this before, but <sighs> I had a conversation with him and he was telling the story of his, you know, like getting engaged uh, back yes. in the day and realizing on basically the day before his wedding, yes. like this is not the person I'm supposed to be with. And it's because he got on this random chat room and this yeah. asks him this question. Yeah. And this question was always that which like I governed in my previous relationships and all my relationships since having that conversation. There was mm -hmm. two of them. And the question was like, is there anybody out there that can love her better than you? Mm -hmm. And Mark answered that. It was like, yeah. And like my yeah. two relationships, I would ask that question and I'd be like, oh my God, like, yeah, yeah. like somebody can definitely love her better than yeah. me. And I knew like it was time to let go. But when I found Kara, I asked, I remember I was scared too for a second. Aww. Like I had to wrestle with it <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to ask because it's so damn good. <laughs> and like, I don't want to know necessarily. Right? I don't want to know. It was just live in denial for a little bit. <laughs> and so I asked it and up from the depths of my heart, it just was like, Nobody can love her better than me. Oh my God. Like I honestly really deep down feel like I can love you so well. Mm -hmm. And that was like a moment where I was like, oh yeah, like choose, like this is, this is right. And I say that because the thing about our relationship and you can say it's, you know, we're still in the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. or whatever, but everything from meeting Kara to the first conversation to meeting every single one of her 5 million friends, <laughs> meeting her family, <laughs> to everything, doing life with her is the easiest yeah. thing yeah. I have ever done. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. Yeah. That's so remarkable. Um, I've heard Mark tell that story before and I love, I love to hear you tell it again and how it related to your own life. For me, again, as somebody who like, who called time of death on a marriage, that conversation blows up every sociocultural story we have around the end of a relationship, totally. right? Yep. Because suddenly it's like, no, this is not a selfish act. And when you leave a marriage or when you're the person to call time of death on it, people are like, you're so selfish. And you're standing over here being like, no, I'm not for that express reason. Somebody yeah. else can love this person better than I can. Totally. That's not a judgment. It's a fucking fact. Yep. Right. And then it's like, okay, congratulations on having the bloody courage to end that relationship yeah. because yeah. you're actually doing the right thing for not only yourself, but for the other person as yeah. well. I just, I love hearing that over and over again. So good. So uh, my final question to you is knowing that I could, you know, I want to talk to you all day and just like <laughs> study, <laughs> study the bathrooms, but <laughs> yeah, you gotta come see us now. Okay. Well also Nashville, I also had like another very, very spiritual dream. <laughs> this is like, I can't, I'm on, I'm, I'm serious. Like unless oh, yeah. I am currently writing a TV show that I am now living out in my life, which could very well be the case. But like I had this really prophetic dream and it was on a full moon, which always means something. And the dream oh. was thusly. It was Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And I would oh. wake up and be like, okay, 
got it, go back to sleep. And it was like, Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And I have no idea what that meant. But like I had a previous guest on Tyler Merritt, who's from Tennessee and you guys now. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what it means yet, but I'm not ignoring it. Like I'm still paying attention to all of this. I'll find you a nice Southern boy. Exactly. This is my dream. I went to Austin a couple of years ago and I couldn't believe it. Like guys were just tipping their head in the street. And I was like, this yep. is yep. Texas right here. Yep. Okay. So what I really wanted to ask you though, is that, you know, life is hard. Relationships are hard. And to me, that hardship is like, I think in life, it's, it's a series of challenges and life gets much easier and so much more joyful when you learn that you are safe and when you learn how to self-trust, right? And then it's like you can face any hardship because your reverberation time shrinks, right? Yeah. And, and to me in a relationship, yeah, it's hard because it's relentless communication. It's yeah. relentless like identifying what I need to feel supported and being so consciously aware of what my partner needs to feel supported. Right. And that's hard until you realize that's what the hardship is. And then it becomes easy because when you have like great communication skills or you're like really truly in that space together, I, I believe that creates ease in a relationship. So if it kind of feels like baseline ease for you, which I know a lot of really healthy conscious relationships, like they identify that they're like, it just, it feels so easy. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the challenges that come with that? She takes up all the space in the bathroom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that three-step no, skincare in there. <laughs> no, that's a great question. Yeah, I think that's an amazing question. I would say, I love that you are referencing safety. Mm-hmm. I feel like the biggest conflicts that we've had have come from me not feeling safe oh, and yeah. it's not not safety with Caleb it's me not safe self-soothing and finding safety in myself yeah um I'm even thinking of this one like cry I had in the kitchen over I think it was over money or something oh, wow. and and the conversation it becomes a conflict between the two of us but when I when I step back and remove myself and look at what's actually going on mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm having to unpack a narrative that was birthed in me in my childhood. And I think that, I think that that's kind of the key really to Mm -hmm. like making it not so hard is I'm just repeating what you said, but really finding this space to be like, Oh, this is actually about my stuff. Like this is me having a little Kara meltdown over here. And I need to figure that out with little girl Kara. And then I can go communicate that with Caleb. And then we can come up with a system for me finding safety in the relationship. So that's but amazing. I think, I'm thinking Wait, about what was the original question? What's been hard? What's yeah. been challenging? Yeah. Yeah. What's hard? Yeah. I think for me, there, it's just the, <sighs> hmm. It has been challenging, I feel like, at times, because I have walked away from conversations feeling like, oh, wow, you don't see me there. Yeah. And that's like something that I would say in my head. But then I look mm-hmm. at it and I'm like, did you communicate expectations? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and like something as simple as honestly like i watch one football game a year and it's the super bowl basically and I, we were going to a friend's house to watch the super bowl um last night yeah. and i had not communicated that i love to watch the pregame of super bowl like yes. i just love that experience and kara's like taking her time and like just yeah. whatever it started just, at 5 30 so i'm yeah. gonna be there at 5 29 yeah. like not a big deal but i just feel myself getting angry yeah and then i'm just like Oh, I've not, I never communicated to her that this is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems so trivial and so simple or so, you know, cheesy or whatever. But I think that's just like a, 
it's it's something that can those un when you don't when you don't communicate those expectations yeah. and they need to go unmet and you don't speak about it, mm-hmm. it is so easy to talk about or to build up the resentment, yeah. the bitterness, the contempt yeah. uh, towards one another. And mm-hmm. I think that's just been the challenging part. Is like I've lived with myself for so yes. long. I know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I know yes. like Kara's like I would I'll drop bombs on Kara sometimes and like just like a, a totally different belief system yeah yeah and Kara's like what the fuck is this where did, that, like, where did this come from and I'm like what are you talking about I've been processing this for the last two months yeah and she's like you've never communicated that once to me and yeah. I'm like oh yeah. um, that's right and yeah. I also in addition I would say the last thing I'll say to this is I how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> Poor Kara, like I would run. Yes. Like my life is yes. my life and I'd run. Life is only as good as we are. Yes. And it's imp- like, it, I'll find my time, self at times of like, when Kara's working something out, like this like little ego nature yeah. will be like, figure that shit out because we've got to, fu- we got shit to do. Yeah, like, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, no, she needs to feel safe to yeah. work this out. Like meet her where she's at and vice versa. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there meets me where I'm at, where I feel like slowing down and being like, you know what? We are only as good as we, our relationship is. And if we take the time to be still for three months and yeah. we connect in the stillness, mm-hmm. it would catapult us further yeah. than what we would do trying to force our way, like trying mm-hmm. to make life happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I feel like that has been challenging for me at times to sit back and be like, oh, wait, no, we don't, ha- there's a million things that we need to do. But what's most important is to create this, this ecosystem of yeah. safety so that we can heal and, and, and learn how to kind of co-suit together. Yeah. Yeah, it really is just a matter of like getting so aware of your internal world and your internal narratives and your internal Mm -hmm. communication Mm -hmm. so that you can externally communicate them. I I feel like our biggest conflicts are always like a miscommunication. A miscommunication. I will say funny story though is Kara, Kara is like a person like when she sits down with somebody, she wants to that person to feel and walk away like a million dollars. Yeah. I like, and I love that about her. Caleb, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I want you to walk away <laughs> feeling like you are better than before you said that. Yeah. Sometimes if I get rubbed in the wrong way, mm-hmm. and I don't feel, feel <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm like, I'm at this point now, Lisa, and you can probably attest to this. Like, it's not my responsibility to make you feel a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Like I love to create an emotional experience for people and yeah. when it's in it, right. Like, but at the end of the day, like I'm a human too. Yeah. And it's just not my responsibility to manage your fucking emotions. Yeah. And so sometimes <laughs> I will be like, fuck you. Like I, I'm thinking of one spe- specific situation uh-huh. where Kara, there's this, somebody wanted to meet with both of us. Mm-hmm. And she sat down and literally like turned her shoulders to me yeah. and like away from me and just had a one-on-one conversation with yeah. Kara yeah. and like totally excluded me mm-hmm. and like would bring up Kara's exes and all this stuff Ugh. like right in front of me. And I go into fuck you mode. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah. Or Kara is still like, we are a team. Yeah. I need you to show up for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was our biggest argument of me realizing that, okay, I have to put away my fuck you attitude sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at a, a poster that I have on my wall that literally says 50% namaste, 50% go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, it's a blend. I have, to, I have to realize that yeah, I am a team with her, and I need to show up and carry some of this weight inside. In terms of like sometimes when it's not easy managing other people's emotions. And I think I love that. I think one thing that I'm thinking about in terms of like what came up for us in the move mm-hmm. oh conflict my God. is like not our my way isn't better yeah and Caleb's way yeah. isn't better but we both think our way is better yeah so I'm I'm an event planner by trade and yes. I uh, I packed our whole house because Caleb true. broke his back oh. true story before we left he literally like threw out his back oh my god I packed the whole house so again because I'm an event planner I'm thinking about the 940 things 100%. that have to happen yeah in order for the move to happen so I'm thinking about changing our address I'm thinking yeah. about you know, every get the getting the right bubble wrap at Home Depot. I'm constantly yeah. my brain is full of the to do's. Yeah, and I feel like Caleb doesn't necessarily anticipate in the same way I do. <laughs> yeah, so so I immediately am thinking my way is better. Yeah. But part of it is that I just didn't even communicate my way of thinking. Yeah. I didn't communicate like, hey, it's really important that we sit down and we lay out the to-do list of the 940 things that have to happen yeah. so we can work through them together. Instead, I have this expectation that he's already thinking that, but yes. he's not. His brain and, is so different. And I feel emasculated often. Yeah. Well, part of me will be like, because you'll be like, this. we should do this, this, and this. And I'm yeah. like... I need to make my own decisions here sometimes. <laughs> like this is, and then we'll communicate Alpha that. Female. Like, I love that you have all this stuff like in your brain and like how you think it should go down. I don't think like you and we should be happy. That's the case. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like I do, I would say like, I have, I've had to communicate to you that, Hey, this makes me feel really emasculated when yeah. you mm-hmm. question every decision that I mm-hmm. make. And then when he says that, I'm I like, like if we're oh verbally my, processing. I, <laughs> I know, this is the best. This is the best. I want you to feel. Yeah. Yes. But it, but if you didn't communicate that to me and just reacted, I don't even know if I would be able to meet you at yeah, that. Totally. So this is so brilliant. This is like a brilliant, I love you guys so much. This is like a brilliant example of like relationship dynamics, like right here and right now. There's a, a pretty old book. I think it was written in the seventies called women are from or men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. And it's like, it's problematic for a lot of ways, but when one thing it does really, really well is it communicates that, you know, while we can all be these like woke individuals, um, our brain evolves at like, I've heard it described as a glacial pace. So there's so much of our internal, not programming, but internal wiring that is still so stuck in caveman, cavewoman brain, right? And, you know, Carrie, you, like, you just said it, Caleb, you just said it from the very male or female, and this is like totally heteronormative, I know, which is problematic in itself, but like caveat, caveat, (laughs) caveat, like what you're saying is like, Kara, you are a woman who is blessed with this internal wiring of being able to step back and see like 180 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. That is a skill set unique to most women in our like biology. And Kayla, what you're you're saying is that you are blessed with this gift of being a man, again, like all the caveats, that focus is like so task oriented, period, right? Mm -hmm. And together... It's like a super team to have yeah. those skills that those two overlapping skill sets. That's yeah. how you get a full big picture thing. I have somebody who can see all the like the matrix of things that need to happen.